We have been discussing what? Love. We have been discussing this four-letter word called love. And we discussed last week that for us, we have a different concept and definition of love. You see, there are three Greek words for the word love. One is phileo, which is love towards a friend. Okay? That's why you have the city of Philadelphia derived from the Greek word phileo, which means, and they call themselves Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And then you have eros, which is the erotic side of love, which where you have erotica, which is also the intimate love, physically intimate love between a husband and his wife. I'm very careful, not to say just between man and woman, but between a husband and his wife. Because you know how it is portrayed nowadays. Good looking, good looking, let's get it on. That's not love. Because the, you, Brad, baka ganyan kayo ng misis mo. Huwag mo influensyahan sila rito. Okay? But the third and the highest calling of the word love, which is agape, which is unconditional love, we have defined as an unconditional commitment directed towards imperfect people seeking their highest good which often requires sacrifice. So it's not just during the good days. It is also during the bad days. That is why it is premised on an unconditional commitment. I am imperfect. My spouse is imperfect. My children are imperfect. We are all imperfect. And we need to consider this that we must love each other unconditionally. We must seek I must seek your highest good and you must in turn seek my highest good and that entails a lot of sacrifice, time, money, effort. That's why agape is the highest form of love. And we spelled out love very quote-unquote selfishly last week. We spelled love CCF. If you do not know where you are today, let me tell you, you are in CCF. How did we spell love? Commitment. And then, after that, communication. And then, forgiveness. In our small group meeting this week, we discussed this. Where are you struggling in the area? Are you struggling in the area of your commitment? Are you struggling in the area of your communication? Are you struggling in the area of forgiving one another? Remember, friends, the Bible has told us that as we have been forgiven, so too was, must we forgive others. If we accept the forgiveness of Christ, we must be willing and able to dispense forgiveness towards others. Unfortunately, these principles, these, shall we say, conservative principles written in the Bible have been marginalized. Society has basically marginalized Christianity. I shared with this with you that in the Grammy Awards, I mean, you're there to watch a music award show. Why, it is, why is it being forced upon us that we would see 34 couples? I use the word couples loosely. Couples getting married. Why sensationalize it? Because there were same-sex couples. Starbucks. I shared with you that the CEO, in a stockholders meeting, he said, if you believe in traditional marriage, if you believe in right to life, if you do not believe in abortion, then sell your shares. Get out of Starbucks. Disinvest yourself. But here are these people because Starbucks has a 38% return. So if you're just an investor, aba, 38, where can you find 38%? You put your money in the bank? It is your gratitude to the bank that your money is with them, with the interest rate that they pay now. 
This guy, Governor Andrew Cuomo, I shared with you. Conservatives, right to life. Those people who believe in your right to bear arms as provided for in the United States Constitution. He said, you should not be in New York. Get out of New York. We don't want you here. We don't want your business. Society has marginalized Christianity. In the latest blow, the Attorney General Holder has said that there will be more federal privileges to be extended to same-sex couples. In other words, if you are a heterosexual couple filing jointly, married filing jointly, you have X amount of tax break. Now, same-sex couples will enjoy that privilege. And I, in my human mind, what's next? We are now married. Therefore, I can petition. Yes? I am now a married individual. I am married to a United States citizen. Therefore, I can now petition my first degree relatives. File for an I-130. Yes? Then when they come over, I can also now file for some benefits. You know where I'm going at? This is not just a political problem. This is not just a spiritual problem. This is going to become an economic problem. Why? Because society has marginalized Christianity. What do I mean when we say marginalized? Well, here is the definition of the word marginalized. Marginalize. Ayaw niya. To put or keep someone in a powerless or unimportant position within a society or group. To relegate to an unimportant or powerless position within a society or group. In other words, God-given traditions and belief systems that have been handed down from generation to generation that we all grew up with are now not the standard. They are now fast becoming the exception. Do you agree? Now, when you say that you are a born-again Christian, now, when you say that you are heterosexual, now, if you say that you believe that the fetus is already alive and therefore you should not abort, you're what? You and I are now in the minority. You, you and I are now the odd man out. You, are, you and I are now the ones on the outside looking in. And my wife and I were out yesterday and I shared with her. These are signs that the Lord indeed is coming soon. Just as in the days of Noah, when they were giving in marriage, when people exchanged natural relations for unnatural relations, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. That's why we challenge everyone to, shall we say, stick to our guns. Because society has marginalized Christianity. This morning, I have entitled our message, How Do I, How Do I, love thee and my thesis this morning is to challenge all of us that we must love God above all else you see we have many concepts of how we express our love to God but there are principles in the Bible that God himself tells us 
how we are to love Him. Before I continue, why don't we join our hearts in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I do not come before your people, Lord, preaching myself, but I preach your word, Lord God. And it is my prayer, Lord, that you will open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you will fill me, you will fill all of us with your Holy Spirit, that we will understand what you want us to hear. That when we hear you speaking to our hearts, Lord God, that we will be careful to listen, that we will be obedient to your word, that we will reflect your son, Jesus Christ, in the manner by which you so desire. Speak, Lord God, for your people are listening. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. May I ask you to stand up for a brief moment as we read our main text this morning. We will read from John chapter 15, beginning with verse 8, just to verse 14. John 15, verse 8. My father... Thank you. You may be seated. You might be thinking from our scripture reading this morning. Sabi ko na nga ba, discipleship na naman eh. We've shared that with you. That for us to bear much fruit, we must be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I would like to focus on something else from the same passage. Many of us have our love language. But God's love language is obedience. We may have our different concepts of how we are to express our love for God. But he says his love language is obedience. Look at what we just read. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So how do we express our love for God according to Jesus Christ himself? Keeping his Commandments, which is one word is what? Obedience. Did Jesus Christ obey the will of the Father? Yes. Does Jesus Christ therefore expect us to obey the commandments? Yes. Why? Because this is my expression of my love for God. If you want to be sure how you can express your love for God, my friends, my brothers and sisters, I submit to you, your expression should be to obey the commandments of God. It further reads, why did He give us the command? These things I have spoken to you. Why? So that my joy may be, where? In you. And as a result, our joy will be what? Complete. The reason why God gave us His commands is so that His joy may be in us and our joy may be Complete. Have you ever thought about God's commandments that way? That by having the commandments of God, I can live a joyful life. Because God has promised me that He wants me to abide in His Word and He abides in me. And as I have His commandments, my joy will be made full. But what do we have? Oh, when we see the commandment, bawal niya, 
Bawal na no? Hindi na naman pwede to. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to change this? Why have to do that? Grabe! We miss out on the fact that God gave us the commands for our own protection, for our own enjoyment, for our own joy. I have given this command so that my joy may be in you and your joy will be made full. Look at it. This is my command that what? You love one another just as I have loved you. Has God loved us unconditionally? What is God's command to us? You must also love, we must also love other people unconditionally. You see, Jesus Christ did not give us these commands without having modeled it for us first. Thirteen, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So if I call God my friend and God regards me as his friend, what is one sure, undoubted way that I can communicate this friendship to my God? Obey. To obey. Not as a condition. Not as a requirement. But for me to express my love for God through obedience. And the way that I can obey God is to know His Word. Many times we feel boxed in. Huh? I won't tell you who the person is, but I have this feeling. This person attended CCF way ahead of me. When this person found out that I and my wife had been going to CCF, she said, Ah, CCF? Peter Tanchi? I know that. I know him. In my mind, what happened? You have went to CCF ahead of me, but when I see what's going on in your life, no effect. And I could only assume, because I know the person really well, that the person would not come to faith in Christ because she knew she had many things to give up. She knew she had many things to give up. She was not willing to obey. But the command of God, look at what he says in 1 John 15. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and Observe His commandments. Why? For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are what? Not burdensome. Not burdensome. What did Jesus Christ tell us? Take my yoke upon thee. For what? My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My daughter did not know that I was going to allude to this. That's why when they sang that song, I think it was Revelation Fountain during the end. I go, wow, God. You really are speaking to us. Because God wants us to obey Him. Why? This is for our protection. This is for our enjoyment. This is for our preservation. Imagine if God did not say, Thou shalt not kill. Diba? Baka kami lang nilinitang nandito, magpapatayan pa kami. Thou shalt not steal. Ganda yung rilo mo, brother. You know, these are for our protection. These are for our benefit. But we don't like to be confined. We don't like to be restricted. But God says, I love you. That's why I'm giving you these commands. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I give these commands because my commands to you are not burdensome. God's love language is obedience. If we say that we are we if we say that we love God, but we are not willing to obey, don't you believe, don't you agree that there is some disconnection? 
or some error in our thinking, when God Himself says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Imagine, prior to coming to Christ, we were objects of wrath because of the ungodliness that we do in our lives. But because God loves us, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty of our sin. And He has provided for us a way of salvation at no cost to us because Jesus Christ paid it all. And all God is asking for us to do is to obey Him as our love response. But we have our own ideas of how we want to express. Eh, Pastor, I, 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 okay, I agree with that. Okay, I agree with that. Well, anyway, I have faith. So I'm fine. But do you know the great debate in the book of James? Even so, if faith has no works, what is it? If it is by itself. If it is by itself. Therefore, faith alone is not enough. As an evidence, okay, want to be very careful. As an evidence of your relationship with God. If you say that you are really born again, and you say you have faith, then faith by itself is nothing. Because it says further, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Therefore, sabi ni God, the way you want to love me is by obedience. You say, I have faith. What's the missing link? Works. The evidence of your faith is your newness in Christ. If you say you have faith, but it is not evident in your life, the change is not there. My friends, ask yourself. If you say you love God, but you are not willing to obey, ask yourself. Because faith without works is dead. They must go hand in hand. Love and obedience must go hand in hand. Faith and works must go hand in hand. We are all beneficiaries of God's grace because God's grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. And it's through the grace of God that He has allowed salvation to come to us. So you don't like to obey. You don't like to, to, to review your life if there are any good works because you say that, well, I'm who I am by the grace of God. Done deal. Finished. Look at the words of Paul. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove in vain. Do you have to work for grace? Do you have, can you buy grace? No. Why? Grace is freely given. So it is by the grace of God that we are saved. And Paul is telling us, I am who I am because of the grace of God. He, the grace of God towards me did not prove in vain. Why can Paul say that the grace of God towards him did not prove in vain? There must be some kind of evidence. You agree? What's the evidence? But I, what? I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Therefore, it is a partnership. I accept the grace of God and I do everything based on the grace of God towards me. Because it is very easy. By grace pala. Therefore, finished. All I need to do is accept the grace of God. That's it. But do you see? What did Paul say? I labored. I work, I strive. But at the end of the day, it's not really me. It is really the grace of God within me. We are saved by grace 
through faith. That's it. But it doesn't mean that because we are saved by grace through faith, that nothing follows, that nothing needs to be done. Now, who's going to do it? If you apply the words of Paul, God will do it in and through you. That's why he gave us what? The Holy Spirit. To guide us into all truth. To teach us everything that Jesus Christ has taught us. To give us the power to have victory over sin. Paul labored. He worked. But yet, he knew, he acknowledged that it is only by God's grace with him that he was able to achieve this. You see, many times we miscommunicate. Parents towards children, sometimes we miscommunicate that our love for them is based on how they perform. That I will love you more if you are a better student. That I will love you more if, 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 if. That they're trying to earn their love. My friends, this is farthest from the truth. If you just look at how God loves us. I shared with you last week, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God is unconditional. It is not performance-based. God loves me, therefore I obey. It's not that I obey in order to deserve God's love. I am already a wretched man. Paul says, I am the worst of all sinners. Yet because of the grace of God, I am saved. If you have accepted the grace of God and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. But the faith that you have expressed that is sufficient to save you should not be alone. There must be evidence of obedience. There must be evidence of faith with works. There must be evidence of grace with effort. Not to prove to God that you are worthy of salvation, but as an evidence of the relationship that you have established with God through Christ. The evidence is the proof, the visible proof that you are indeed in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't love I don't obey God in order for him to love me. He already loves me. He already has proven his love for me through Christ. That's why I obey him. Because I have appreciated, I've recognized, I've received the love and the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 12 Pursue peace with all men and sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Oh, why, why do I still need to be sanctified? I thought it's already a done deal. Well, pursue peace with all men because sanctification is an evidence that you are indeed a child of God. Look at verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God how? That no root of bitterness spring up causes trouble and it may be defiled. See, people can miss the grace of God. If we miscommunicate it, people will see, will think, oh, God only loves those who perform. God only loves those who meet His standard. Can anyone meet God's standard? Have you memorized Romans chapter 3, verse 23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are just saved by grace through faith in Christ. But that faith should never be alone. It is not the means to be accepted. It is the byproduct of your relationship with Christ. So if me, for example, as a father, have miscommunicated to my children that my love for them has become conditional, 
because it has become performance-based. I have to listen to my children and ask for their forgiveness because this is not the model of Christ. I go to church not to be accepted. I go to church because I realize that apart from the grace of God, I am nothing. I, I pay my tithe because I realize that I'm a recipient of God's grace and God has given me the ability to produce wealth. I, I allow myself to be discipled for my life to be laid bare to my discipler. To hear the not so nice things about me. Because I have, who am I? Except I have just received the grace of God. And God has, has told me through His word that I need to change to be discipled to Christ's likeness. I disciple other people because these people who have likewise received the grace of God need also to be discipled to Christ's likeness. Everything that we should do should be based on the grace of God towards us. It is because of God's grace that we do these things. But many times it's the reverse. I will do these things so that I will merit the favor of God. That is not the definition of grace, brothers and sisters. Grace is unmerited favor. It's exactly the reverse. Grace is when we get something we do not deserve. We have discussed this many times. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. But grace is getting something you do not deserve. Society has maligned Christianity. Yes? But friends, Christians have maligned Christianity, has marginalized Christianity as well. Do you believe this? Not only has the society of this present age has marginalized Christianity, but friends, if you and I are really honest with ourselves, we too have contributed to the marginalization of Christianity. How? Maybe you're thinking, how? Well, let me show you. I'll give you a few moments to look at those. Are they grievous? Heavy? Big sins? Sorcery? Idolatry? Murder? Yes? Big sins, grievous sins, yes? How about this list? Ayaw magtuloy. How about that list? Uh, diba? This list? Grabe. Sobra. This list. Ayaw pa rin. Mm. Anxiety? Did not Jesus Christ say, do not worry? For who can by worrying add another hour to his life? Jealousy, anger, Unforgiveness, bitterness, thanklessness, judgmentalism, impatience, 
Why do I say that we ourselves as Christians have also contributed to the marginalization of Christianity? Why? Because. You see this? You see that? What does God call this? How about this list? So why do we as Christians tolerate certain sins but despise certain sins? In God's eyes, all of these are what? Sin. And we should hate all of this. We should not be involved in this. Why? Because look at Proverbs 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among the brothers. We as Christians should hate what God hates. Yes? But we also as Christians should love what God loves. But many times, what do we do? Only We only hate that which God hates. But we don't love those other people that God also loves. That's why when the society of today looks at us, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you're one of those who look down at us. Yes? You have on one side of the street people with placards waving their position about same-sex marriage. You have on the other side of the street Christians who have their own placards. You're going to hell! You didn't see that during the election, the ballot for Prop 8? So how will these people who do not know the love of God know the love of God when people who say that they know God and love God are condemning them to hell? We must hate what God hates, but we must love whom God loves. By this, all men will know that you are truly disciples of mine if you have love for one another. You and I have been tasked by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the Great Commission to share the love of God. Just communicate how much God loves them. Just recount to them how you yourself were at one time separated from God because of your sin. But because of God's grace, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. If we become condescending, we should be compassionate. What do we do? We become judgmental. We are supposed to love them unconditionally. We look down at them. How will they know the love of God? If we who represent Christ miscommunicate. Now, why is it perhaps, why is it perhaps that we have, you know, Categorized, if you will allow me. Categorized certain sin. This sin is in Tagalog, karumaldumal. Diba? This sin, okay lang yan. God will understand. Don't we do that? Certain sins we condemn. Certain sins we rationalize. Now you tell that to the person who died as you rationalize your sin. Now why? Why perhaps have we stooped? Have we gone down to that level? May I share with you why perhaps? 
I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. And you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and, not, and have not grown weary. But this I have against you, that you have lost your first love. That you have left your first love. Oh yes, to the church. He says, I know your deeds. I know your perseverance. I know your toil. But I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. Who is that first love? Jesus. Those of you who've been in the faith for some years, do you remember the day that you encountered Jesus Christ and the first day that you were born again? Anything and everything you were asked to do, you would do. Yes? Uh, can you? Yes! You know, we need, yes, I'll be there. Right? And then as you mature in your faith, you know more of God's word. You're into discipleship and all of this. You go to church. You attend your D group. Hey, can I even? Oh, I got, I got a golf game on uh, Sunday. And uh, after the golf game, I have this. So can you just look for somebody else? Before? Give me something to do. Come on. I'm so hot. I'm so on fire for the Lord. Give me. Give me, tell me, tell me, give me people whom I can share my love with. Come on. Now? Hey, uh, you know, uh, the guy who's supposed to uh, preach at the wake, uh, he's dead too. So, uh, can you come and preach in their wake? I have, we have dinner, I have dinner. I'm not, I don't want to burden you. Why? Because God not does want to burden us. I'm just trying to elicit from our, from our thinking. Could it be that we have left our first love? That God has some way or another been removed from that position which He should be? That our priorities are now higher than God's priorities for us? Why perhaps? Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. Anything and everything that we should do as Christians should be born out of a love for God. And if we have left our first love, no wonder we cannot apply this truth. Because according to this passage, who is number one? Who should be number one? Who? God. You shall love the Lord your God with some of your heart, some of your soul, and some of your mind. No. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is what it means to have God as your first love. And how can I express to my God who saved me by His grace, undeserving as I am, how can I express this love to others? The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these, on these two commands depend the whole law and the prophets. Very simple. 
if you only need to know two commands and you are willing to obey them no matter what love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and love one another love your neighbor as yourself that's that's it Jesus Christ himself said on these two command commands depend the whole law and the prophets if we just master this we'll be good we will be able to love God unashamedly and obey him without reservation and we will be able to love all the other people whom God created also in his image because friend they're not they may not read the Bible they may not go to CCF. They may not go to a Christian function or event. But as they see you, as they see how you live out your Christianity, perhaps they get a glimpse of what it really means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through your example of loving them unconditionally, perhaps, they may ask there is something different about you why are you always so happy I know we have the same problems but the way you carry it is direct opposite to how I carry it what's up who will show them what the love of God is all about. You and me. You know the Apostle Paul, he said, he labored more than any of them, yet it was not really himself, it was the grace of God. Yes? And you know what Paul went through. How many times he was run out of town because they wanted to kill him. How many times he was shipwrecked. Three times he said, I received 39 lashes. Jesus Christ was only scourged one time, 39 times. Paul was scourged three times. He said, three times I received 39 lashes. Why? Why would Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ, why would he go through all of this? Why? He says, for the love of Christ controls us. In other translations, it says, For the love of Christ compels us. It drives us. That having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. They need to know this. People outside need to know that one died. Jesus Christ died for them. But to us, he says, and he died for all, so that they who live no, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Accepting the grace of God through faith is evidenced by a change in life that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Are you living for God? I have to ask myself, am I really living for God? Is God really number one in my life? Because if he is not, my friends, maybe we are guilty of the accusation of God in the book of Revelation that we have left our first love. And we have bega began to just rationalize our sin. Well, I'm just human. I still fall. And we don't want to get back on the horse because it's difficult because it's hard because it's painful 
Friends, we don't need to prove anything to God. God loves us just as we are. And He has appointed us to bring this gospel, this gospel of grace to a lost and dying generation. And we are the Bible that the people out there are reading. That we who used to live for ourselves should no longer live for ourselves, but to live for Him who died on our behalf. My question and my question alone is how do I love thee? We have to ask ourselves, God, how do I love you? Am I loving you on my terms? Or do I really love you on your terms? That's the only question that you alone can answer. I don't know your individual lives. But I assure you, God knows. He knows the motives why you do and why you do not do certain things. But it is my challenge to all of us, myself included, that whatever we do, whether in food or in drink, we do all for the glory of God. And why will I do it? for the glory of God because I love him who died on my behalf Father God thank you for your love thank you for teaching us what it means to love sinners for we are sinners, Lord God, each and every one of us. But even if we were dead in our sin and in our transgressions, you made us alive together with Christ. And Lord, it is my prayer that all of us, not only in this fellowship, Lord God, but all born-again, Bible-believing, God-loving and God-fearing Christians will really be able to express the grace of God and the love of God to the people around them, Lord God. You have given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be with us day by day, moment by moment, to guide us, to teach us, to convict us of our sins. God, help us. Help us to love you on your terms. Help us to put you number one. To love God above all else. Father, this is our united prayer in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who died on our behalf. And everyone said, Amen.